Praise God. He's my hero. I said, He's my hero. Who knows what tonight holds? This could be the night when Jesus comes. If it was, I'll be ready tonight. Amen. Praise God. I got my dancing shoes on, my wedding gown on, and I'm ready to shout the victory. Praise the Lord. I say, Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to go with me, chapter 2, and read verse 4. For we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. We were allowed of God to be put in trust of the gospel. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God which tried our hearts. Let us pray to Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, for the grace of God and the mercies of God and the blessings of God. Use us. Bless us. Make us manifold, useful to your kingdom. I give you the praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. I read an article. It says, grow up. <laughs> it says, time to grow up. Amen. It's time to grow up. And it was talking about always having everything given to you. Always given. Always given. And the story said, there come a time when the giver won't be available to give to you. And so you have to learn to self-sustain and self-provide because when the giver stops giving, then you stop receiving unless you have a way of bountifully return. And I was thinking about profit and loss. We have profit and loss in the natural world. People think about their profit and their loss of their investment, their return on their investment. Put their money and trust in the bank and Sometimes the bank goes bankrupt. No, they do go bankrupt. Right now we're learning that cities can go bankrupt. So we don't know how long this city will last. But cities can go bankrupt. But I know a city of Jerusalem that never will go bankrupt. Because God never runs out of funds. And God's not a loser. God is a winner. And I want to support a winner. And some people I heard this month that got invested in some bogus, amen, stock. And lost over $75 million. And they call those people gullible people because they were expecting something out of nothing. And they were promised the moon and the star and end up with losing everything. They were starved of their cash. I've learned by life that I don't want to get nothing too quick, gradual. God told Israel, little by little, I will drive out your adversary. I wonder what would I do if God drove all my adversary in one shot? How would I live? Maybe I wouldn't pray. Maybe I wouldn't have a walk with God. But I believe little by little God drive out my adversary. Little by little, not overnight. He could do it, but I'm not sure what would happen to me if he did. So God knows how to leave me, amen, in a good victory position. Praise God. But profit and loss, I believe... Now, I've traveled a little bit here. I've seen pastors. And when I came in church, I learned a lot more, more about church 
Because I stay longer in church. I got saved in 72. That's not a very long time. Some of you weren't even born in 1972. You were still in the in the never nine world. <laughs> and now you're born, you hear me talking to you. But in, in 72, I got saved. I mean, Acts 2.38, born again, salvation. Born through the Holy Ghost, have water baptism, talking tongues. Amen. Spoken tongue when the Holy Ghost gave utterance. Nobody told me what to say. It happened the Bible way. Now, I didn't know the Bible says it should happen that way. But I'm glad when I read after the fact, it was in the book, that they speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And I learned later on it was a seal of the uh, earnest of an inheritance. I believe any Christian die today, become instant millionaire, instantly multi-billion, billion, billion, I mean billionaire, blessed beyond measure, living in a world of prosperity that I never thought could. In fact, Paul said, your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard. God tried to explain to you in words, but you can't fathom it because earthly things even baffle us. Never mind heaven a thing that your mind can't even comprehend. He can blow your mind. They tell me on CBC on the radio yesterday coming from church, going home, that the ant is not that smart as you think, but they got a built GPS given to them by God. They have a memory system that tells them where they were, and they follow a magnetic path. They tell me the birds that flies from the north to the south, they're not that smart. they got a GPS given to them. And they follow a magnetic line, and they travel along that line, and they go right in that stream. They tell me the fishes in... Uh, in British Columbia, those salmon, they're not as smart as I thought they were. But there's a chemistry in the water that takes them right back to their birthplace. Now, I'm going to tell you, church, i got a GPS in my life that take me back to Jerusalem, the city of our God. I can take you back to the place where I found Jesus. I took my wife one time and showed her where I got born again. You know, the church is not there anymore. It's moved somewhere else. But I said... This is a spot where I received Jesus Christ. Here's the building where I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want her to see the spot. I followed that magnetic line that took me back to the path where I came from. I know where I, was, where I came from. And I know where I'm at. And I know where I'm going. And I'm telling church, I'm closer to the blessing than I know it. I can feel the aura of the heat and the temperature telling me, you're not too far from the fire, honey. You're right there. Amen. This one more touch, and you're right in the fire where God is. And there's no burning up of the bushes. Amen. And so there's a profit and a loss. Now, God taught me some things about when God says, I want you to work for me. Now, I, I don't know what that pastor was thinking about me when I got saved. I still don't know. <laughs> never, never did ask either. But, you know, I, I begin to think today that every preacher has a dream of raising up that dream church for God. Every If he's a man of God of any worth, he should have a dream of desiring to raise up a dream church for God. It's no different from Eliezer trying to find a dream bride for Isaac. He was so concerned about having a prophet of a right person that he bowed his head and prayed. And said, Lord, 
I need some direction. I want to find that dream girl for my master's son. And every true pastor should want a dream bride for the Son of God. And it takes prayer. It takes desire. Now, a lot have started. Many have quit. Many have changed the vow and take just about anything come their way and grab that old carcass back to the king, but the son has not yet received it. I don't want to end up with something I brought home. I want to drop it off and keep on moving. Amen. But Isaac brought back a Rebecca. I'm so glad that uh, he was pleased with her and she became the mother of all living. Now, when God called Abraham, Abraham did something that was very unusual. Now, Abraham should not have taken the bodies he took along with him. He shouldn't have, but he did. Well, you know, family ties, he got them all with him, and they came, but God couldn't deal with them like he wanted to. So, after a while, the Bible said that God spoke to Abraham 14 years later, and said, come on, Abraham, get up, move toward the promised land. Tira died. All the hang-ons <laughs> got dropped off. And now one hang-on left, which was uh, Lot and his wife. And they got dropped off eventually. But I know something about Abraham. Abraham always built first an altar before he built his tent. Now, that's not normal for people to do. We'd build a tent first, and then we'd build a what? An altar. But he built first a altar and then a tent. And I noticed that became the, the recurring theme that took place in the Bible. They built a, a, an altar, then they built a tent. As if to invite the presence of God. And once God have that what He wants, then they got what they wanted. And it's always blessed by the fire descending on them. You know, you can't find nowhere in the Bible where Cain and Abel built a, a kingdom first, then they built their altar. All we know is they built altars. That's all we know about them. They built altars. And actually, Cain built his altar, his kingdom after he built an altar. The Bible says that. He became a, a kingdom builder. But first he built an altar. There is something there for us to learn tonight. There is a prophet in finding what does God want and make sure God gets it. And that is what really is profitable. Somehow our mentality in Christendom is confused as to what is pleasing to God. What is pleasing to man is an abomination to God. What is right to man is not very acceptable to God. And I discovered that. And I'm telling you, I, I, I must confess, a lot of preachers don't see that. You know, we, we want what really glorify the flesh or glorify the the prestige ego of humanity. But what really 
turn God on, if I could use that term. There must be something that make God get turned on, if I could use that term. You know, right? And when God is turned on, the blessing flow. And you can say you're profitable to God. Alright? Moses, he first brought Israel with an exodus. And then he built the tabernacle. I mean, understand that. Didn't build the tabernacle first, and then go fetch them. <laughs> he first brought Israel out of Egypt. They got nowhere to worship. Well, they're building altars, right? And finally they come to Mount Sinai, and God said, now build me a building. Are you with me? David, the Lord spoke of David for days and years. Then finally David says, let me build God a temple. To this time, God don't have a temple. Every religion has a temple except God. But God was content with an altar. What turned God on was not a building, was an altar. God wanted altar builders. Now, learn by experience the place to put my emphasis if I'm going to be profitable in Christianity, if I'm going to be a success for God, if I'm going to be a, a, a platinum for God, the best God I have in Christendom, then I've got to find out what pleases God. And build that and give that to God, and then the rest doesn't matter. Amen. That's what David built God first an altar, and then he built the temple. He gave all the whatever it takes. But even Joshua, Joshua, we have no recollection of Joshua giving Israel a temple. But Joshua built altars. I can show you where Joshua built altars, but I can't show you where he built a building. He never had a building. But he built altar, and they worshiped God, and they sacrificed to God. And it seemed like God made him prosperous, and God made him successful, and God told him where success is, and then God defines success. God says success is defined by somebody who keep my commandments of Moses and and meditate day and night in it, and God says you're going to be prosperous, and then God says you're going to be so great and invincible no man can stand before you. In other words, God was telling him, if you want to be that dream person, here's what you got to do. Build me an altar. And when you build me the altar, keep my commandments and the word of God fresh in your life. And so Joshua, like Abraham, like Moses, they were these guys were platinum men of God. They were mighty, mighty role models that we can follow their footprints. And I believe I have a right to receive what they had. If I follow their model, I want to be that dream saint that God looking for. I want to be that dream individual that God can say, this is mine. I was studying today about holiness, and I found holiness means separation. Can you believe that? Holiness means separate, peculiar. You are distinct. You got... <laughs> You're just different from everybody else. Because God don't want anybody confused with His. He is particular about what He has. Amen. And so holiness actually means separation. It means peculiar or distinct or that which has no likeness of other things. It's all by itself. 
And you know what God did? God said, okay, I don't want you to mix wool with linen. I don't want you to put uh, tares with wheat. I don't want you to put oil with water and, and light with darkness and keep things separate. Amen. Anything is, mine is separate. And I'm thinking, how can I become that, that platinum saint to God? That real top of the line. And, and God wants a church that's just like that because He wanted, He wants a glorious church. You know, glory means reflecting all the splendor of the light of God. You want a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle or without any such thing. And that's what I call the premier church. Pastors don't talk about it. And saints and the, and the people don't know what God really wants. But God wants a premier glorious church. Now, glorious means that which which uh, reflect glory, splendor, magnificence, and beauty. I can't get rid of all the adjectives and the verbs to tell you what it looks like, but I mean just out of this world. But I say your eyes have never seen it before. Now Jesus, when he came, like John the Baptist, I can't find any church building John the Baptist had. Never had one. Never preached John the Baptist never preached once in his life in the temple. Not even one time. Can you imagine that? For his ministry, not even once has he ever preached in a temple. But find him on the outside, on the outskirts, along the riverside, preaching God's word, and up and down the streets, and just proclaiming God. Because, you know, his temple was, the sky was the roof, and the ground was the earth flooring, and the grass was the, was the, the carpet, hallelujah, and the sun was the light of the building, and there he had God in his presence. I'm trying to tell so, and some folks think we can't have church if we're on the building. You're wrong, honey. We're Jesus, and that's the building. It says the Lamb is the temple thereof. I'm trying to tell you, I want to, in the limited time of life we have on earth, find out where to put your affection. Set your affection on things where? 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 If you're going to fall in love with things that God makes sure it is above. Set your affection on things above. That means nothing down here should capture my heart. Hello? Hello, because my affection is on things that is above. Where Jesus Christ is Lord and Master. Now, Jesus Christ says, I will build my church. Which come first, the people or the church? Which did he have first? Let's keep you laughing. Which one did he have first? Eh? The people first. You know, Bible school and pastors and preachers around the world have never got a revelation that the most important acquisition on earth is people. Not knowledge. Not money in the bank. Not a brand new car. Hello? Or the things that make us glow in the eyes of our neighbor. But the most important thing to God, amen, is souls. Souls. Jesus died for souls. God so loved the world doesn't mean this cosmic world. He means the people in the world. God so loved the people in the world. He said, I will build my church. But first, there had to be a Pentecost. Now, I'm going to challenge all of you right now. Anybody that can show me one building that the apostles built on earth, 
I'm going to borrow from my wife a hundred dollars and give it to you so you can buy a hundred dollars <laughs> with, uh, with some uh, with some nice uh, whatever to go with it. I borrow her money. I, use, I got nothing to use. I use hers. Can you find it, please? So the one time the apostles ever drive a nail in a structure and they're going to build me a church for God. It just don't happen. Why? Have they missed God? No. No. Could it be they had a revelation? Here's what I'm saying in the church. And did you know many good men and good women of God who does not have a building or a brick or a mortar structure have come to the realization that we just can't worship God. We just can't live for God. And you know, they go into a situation that cost them a lot of money. You know, a church that purchased building can go bankrupt. But a church that doesn't own a building can never go bankrupt. Lord, look at me now. I can see the looks. I hear you saying, Pastor, you know, why do you have one? No, I'm not the two-by-two two believers either. That's so you don't need a building. You missed the point. Paul spoke of the house of God. The house of God and the church of God is two different things. The house of God is a building. The church of God are people. The house of God can burn down. But the church of God cannot be burned up. you got to know the difference. Hallelujah. And there's a reason why God, God did not allow in the apostles in all their lifetime. They read the Bible. They lived for a long time, beyond Jesus' time. They lived up to 70 AD. They lived up to that long. You know, and they, 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 they preached the gospel around the world. And the Bible said they grew and they multiplied. Now, we've been to the Middle East and we saw some buildings. There's no way 120 people could own those buildings. There's just no way. And carrying on that drunken people is even more impossible. Hello. Never mind 3,000 people in one building at that time. It's not attainable. Unless God gives elastic walls. <laughs> As they bounce and stretches, you know. But I don't believe that happened. <coughs> and I know they couldn't go to the temple either. But I believe they were in the streets. I believe they were in the highways. And we found the answer when we go to the book of Acts 20. Paul says, I went house to house. And we lost sight of God's method of building a church. And we have practiced, actually, Catholicism, who raised up temples, and they call these buildings, what do they call them again? There's a name they call them in, in, in Rome. It was used very often. What was the name they call them? There's a name for the, the building they have them. They call them, you folks that went with me, what do they call, they call them? Names? What do they call those buildings? Those names we saw. Basilicas, and there are, there are other names. And... Uh, Cathedrals and there are other names beside that, and they're talking about edifice. Sister, can you tell me those names? 
There were big names for buildings. And we went there all the time. They showed the big buildings and, and the shopping mall centers and there were the temples and, and all these. You guys forgot all that already. My Lord. Huh? Agora. You got it, sister. You passed your grade 12. You're in grade 13 now. Hallelujah. The Agora. The Agoras. The Agoras were not built by Christians. And they cost a lot of money. And here's what happened. Number one, the apostles couldn't afford it. Because they didn't have silver nor gold. So there's no way they can afford those stones. And they couldn't afford those trappings that were in those temples. And so the people did not put the emphasis of their focus on just beautifying the building. That was done by the Jewish temple. Because the Jewish temple, they showed Jesus the beauty of the what? The temple and the stones. And he didn't say, well, oh, what an awesome building. He said, well, these stones won't be left on the other. It will fall right down. He speak very derogatory of it. And said it's going to fall down. Is that right? And then when he drew a contrast to the temple and his work, the man that was healed at the gate called Beautiful, the act that took place in the man's body was a whole lot more attractive than the building itself. They stopped looking at Solomon's gate called Wandering and started wondering at the man that was healed. I'm trying to tell you, church, in the city, where, where are we going to put our focus? Where are we going to put our affection? Now, you may think I'm way off, but I'm right on. And this is why this pastor will never go bankrupt, because I'm not going to invest where God is not. I've lost you now. I've lost you now. I'm not going to invest where God is not. I'm not going to waste God cash on trash. Souls. Souls. How much does a soul worth? How much does a soul weigh? If I have ten dollars and I have to compete between winning that soul and spend ten on the brick, that soul should get the ten dollars and not the brick. Hello? And there is no difference between missions and building a mansion. Or is there a difference between giving to missions and giving to a mansion? See, you can understand that. And that's a lesson that I've learned. If I'm going to be prosperous and successful, I want to put my affection in the place where God Make me invincible. Where God make me, hallelujah, invaluable. And that is, one soul is worth more than all the world combined in gold worth. You got to get that revelation. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd rather God beautify a sinner with salvation then paint a building with the last penny. Hello? The revelation is this. The world has taught our young preachers and our young saints 
that the beauty of the building is where it's at. Church, if we ever put our emphasis there, all we have is just a museum to admire by the flesh. But the spirit may not be there. Hallelujah. The most important question you can ever ask of any building is, has anyone received the Holy Ghost lately? Lord, I've lost the church tonight. You see, when I came to McMurray, I was not concerned about a building. I was concerned about people. And people make a demand for a building. But the building doesn't make a demand for people. Because in Chicago, there are empty buildings, but no people. And when there is no people, there's bankruptcy. And when there's bankruptcy, there's no people. And when there's no people, there's no God. Because God is not where buildings are. God is where people are. If you want to find God, look where people are. And you're going to find God there. Where worshipers are. At all. And I'm telling you, for Mary Church, hear me tonight. If we want to be a platinum church, a dream church, let's get refocused. Plan to beautify souls in our city more than building. Put your emphasis on souls. Put your glory on souls. When souls are blessed, the rest come. Revival pays the bill. You see, the world is concerned about pollution of the world, and we are concerned about pollution of the soul. What's the difference? The earth passes away, but the soul lives on. Uh, and it's putting the priority where it belongs. You see, if we can do those things that please God, then we can become the platinum church. I want to be a dream preacher. I want to see a dream church. I want to see the people of this church have a revelation. Where to put your affection, not on things on the earth, but things above. And the only thing going above, my friend, are people. I was in... Middle East, and I was saying, God, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm not too happy. I can't find where the apostles were. And God said, just a minute. You don't read my word, boy? I have lively stones. And I thought to myself, lively stones? What's a lively stones? Oh, lively stones, I know it's tumbling stones or radioactive stones. <laughs> or a stone that sparkles and gives you off lights like diamond. And God said, my stones are gone into the heavens. Amen. The lava stones that God called are people. And every church need to have dream saints on their pews. And church, we got the inventory. Amen. We're going to ask yourself, has anybody repent lately at our altar? you got to ask that question. 
We can be effective. We can be organized. We can get everything in the right place. The carpet is clean. The chairs are beautiful. The chandeliers are shine. And the walls are immaculate. But if there's no soul, my friend, we are wasting our effort. And we're losing big time. We don't even realize it. And all we have is just a museum. Well, I don't want a museum, church. I want a people. Call by His name. Call not for His name. I want Him to have something that God said, these are dream saints. Praise God. You know, Jesus had a dream. Jesus came to earth with a dream. It's what I call a dreamer. Paul said he was a dreamer. He was dreaming. I'm going to build me a church. I'm going to build me a church. Amen. And the church for him was people. Amen. Vince ain't going to build me a house of God. He's going to build me a church. People. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Amen. Have we taken inventory recently and see how many people got saved this year and how many are retained this year? And yet, if we lost money in the bank, we'd be concerned. If we lose at the bank right now, a return on what we deposited last week, we'd be concerned. Why aren't we concerned of those who are not returning back to the church? Why are we concerned that one sheep is missing? We have 99, but God says not enough to be content. Somebody should get stirred up. A dream church is someone where there's equal care for all. Hello. And we take inventory. The only way you could know that there's 99 and one missing is because somebody did an inventory checkup. Church, I'm telling you, my friend, God wants to evaluate our profit and loss. I get excited when somebody comes and got the Holy Ghost. I get excited when somebody repent. I get excited when somebody see there's only one God, one faith, one baptism. When somebody accept and believe holiness is of God and they conform to it. But I should also be just as upset when one soul fall by the wayside. Amen. Churches have committee about and fight over rug. What color rug to get? What color paint the wall should be painted? They fight over what color chandelier they should have. And that's not an issue. The issue is, have we won anyone lately? The issue is, is anybody being converted to God? Is anybody being taught the Word of God? That is what a dream church is. A dream church, you know, I'd rather have this church as dirty in terms of filthy dirt on the floor, but people's heart are cleaned. They're immaculate building, but nobody's heart is clean. I want to see a dream church in this city. But the people on the pew, I've got to want it too. Amen. What is our most church? Productive outreach in McMurray. What is our least productive method of outreach? Have anybody thought about that? Have we ever had a committee to discuss that? That would bring more blessing than disunity. That would bring more blessing of God than any other meeting you may call and I may call. We should be calling meetings to agonize about souls than meaning to be organized about nothing. And it may pump the flesh up, but oh, church, 
I'm not saying we don't need those things. I need, amen, the house of God. But I need to also have the church of God. Praise God. I need to have the church of God in the house of God. Then I have to have the house of God, but no church of God in the house of God. Amen. Hello. Hello. You will never have a conflict when you come together and talk about prayer. When you call a committee meeting to the prayer meeting, there will be no conflict. I promise you that. When you call, amen, a meeting, amen, to study about how we can be more productive for God, I promise you there will be no problems there. When you come, amen, and talk about reaching the lost, there will be no, well, it costs too much, no, because there's a burden and a commitment that comes with it. Oh, church, it's not too expensive to leave this revival and go in the desert and touch a man who's going home puzzled, don't know the right way or the wrong way from what he's reading, and to go and run beside him. Hello. I wonder how far he had to run to reach the eunuch. And I wonder how far it is from here to John Vare. How far it is from here to Athabasca. How far it is here to Fort Shep. How far it is here to anywhere where people are? How far is it from heaven to earth when Jesus came? Hello. And yet there are people who tell you it's too far to go to pick up a kid across town. One kid. Just to bring that one kid to church. Yet we'll spend all the days and nights of a committee over one broom. Hello. And won't it's been agonizing over bringing one kid in our room to teach the Word of God. She's the devil. Don't mind us being organized as long as we're not agonizing for souls. I want a dream church in this city. It's not too expensive to have an outreach for the lost. It must be productive and outreach. It must be a predictive outreach. We know where we're going. We need to know what is successful in bringing others to Christ. How can we call a convention and we're the only one to sit down and eat and be fed and the rest that are not and they're homeless, godless and penniless and we never feel compelled to go get them. God said, not so. My dream church is a church that always involves outreach. Always wide open arms. I like the way how he was crucified. His arm was not clasped. His arm was wide open. Hallelujah. I just say, come on in. I want to hug you and bring you in. Let's worship God. I thought about carnality always reign where things are sedimentary. And things are sediment and the dirt just settles. Amen. Come on, somebody. It is true. And you know what? The devil always like the body. When the body has a part that doesn't move, it gets tense. The muscles get crippled up. Sores built up. Amen. Moving things does not gather germs. But things that are stagnant always breathe germs. A stagnant church is a church that will breed bacteria. Amen. Somebody got to shake it up. And when you shake things up, you expose all the debris. Amen. And then you can see there's a need. 
Amen. For a clearing to clarify what we're looking at so muddy. Amen. You won't clarify it until you shake it up and realize, oh God, this thing needs to be shaken up. I was thinking about Apollos. There's some people in our city. I know we can find them. I know there are neighbors. There are next door people. Apollos in Acts 18, 24, 27. That was a primary, amen, magnificent saint waiting to be captured for God. And we see the discerning eyes of Aquila and Priscilla. Their marriage didn't affect them so much that they couldn't reach out for souls. Aquila and Priscilla, they heard this guy talking. And they said, this guy has some hope here. We can reach this guy. And the Bible says Aquila and Priscilla got a hold of Apollos. Hallelujah. And began to put him over to their home and said, come on, sit down here, boy. Listen to me now. I heard you preaching over there. And with a little help, you could do a whole lot better. Amen. And the Bible says when they were done with them, he said, Ma, Ma, I need to be baptized over. Hello? The love of a couple brought revelation to a man who did not know the truth. The whole truth. Acts 18.24.27 Go there and look for yourself. A Jew. A precious potential jewel. God in Egypt reached him. You know Alexandria is? Egypt. And they met him. Amen. In Ephesus. And they touched him. And he brought to that church revival. 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 Nobody knew he was a diamond in the rough. Church, let me tell you tonight, we need the house of God. But we need a church in the house of God. Let's worship God. The Bible says there's a unit in Acts 8, 26 to 40. This poor guy is religious, but not saved. A lot of people are sitting there religious, but they're not saved. They're in their Bible, and they have the right Bible, but not the right total full message. Jesus said some people are not too far from the kingdom. In other words, they're almost there, but not quite there. And all they need is somebody like you and me to get in touch with them, latch ourselves to them. And the Bible says that Philip left that revival burning with enthusiasm, burden for souls. And he ran, not walk, he ran. Didn't have uh, a Lexus. He didn't have a Rolls Royce. He didn't have a camel. Didn't have an ass to ride on. He just ran. I have no idea how far he ran. Must have been very far. Because he was all over. God picked him up by a rapture power and dropped him somewhere else. The first airplane ride, 747. God dropped him. God said, I'm pleased with you. Come on, church. I'm trying to tell you what really matters. Everything we're doing is well done. We are like Martha. We are busy in the house of God. But God said there's some greater thing yet he wanted to be focusing on. The church of God. He wants you to focus on the church of God. I want to get a burden for the church of God like you would for the house of God. He said, Mary, Mary has chosen the better part. 
What you have is a good part, but there is a better part. Church, we want to be, amen, God's dream church. We want to involve with the, the major, not just the minor. Let's not minor and major, major and minor. Come on, church. Let's get the better part. Come on. As of today, let's make a decision that, oh, we're going to choose the better part like, like Mary and Sinophia Jesus in our church. And the Bible says baptism took place. In every case, baptism took place. I want this church to become militant. I want this church to roll up our sleeve and become a spiritual terrorist. I want you to terrorize unbelief. I want you to terrorize your hang-ups. I want you to become bold like a lion. I want you to roar against the, the devil's kingdom. I want you to become shama. I want you to go pull that sheep out of the lion's mouth. I want you to rise to the occasion. That's the God, the sword cleaved to my hand. I want that Bible in your hand. Them call you a Bible thumper. Say, no, I'm a sword swinger. It's time to become that church that God wants you to become. You have it in your church. Stir up the gift that's in you. Stir up the power that's in you. We want a dream church. The tabernacle of praise have got to become a dream church. We gotta have converts. We gotta win souls. We gotta teach Bible study. We gotta pray. I was praying last night. I said, God, will you stir me? I'm begging you. Please stir me. Give me conviction. Give me deep rooted feeling conviction. I want to feel it in my spirit. I want it in my eyes with tears. I want my lips cry out to you, God. I want to be stirred. I want to be God dream church. Am I the only one here? Hallelujah. I know I'm saved. And I know you're saved. But you can't sit down and say, Amen, that's it. You're safe to save others. <laughs> we got a job. We got a commitment. Come on, church. I want to be the best church in our district. I want this to have a goal. Platinum church. I want this church to be effective and effective. I want this church to be a golden church. I want this church to be a revival church. I want this church to be a soul winning church. I want this church to be a giving church. A praying church. Uh, come on. Get excited. Come on, church. Get excited with me. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's get excited about the church, not the building. I mean the church. Let me tell you why God blessed me with things. I don't mind telling you because it doesn't possess me. I was telling you last week how we were in PCI uh, or TCI. Let me tell you, we... They had to force us to go places. We didn't go anywhere. I told my wife, leave me in this room. I'll stay there all day reading to come in the night time. I said, that sea don't turn me on. That don't turn me on. I didn't dip my foot in there. I said, that sea, that's it. Oh, sea, that's it. Bless God. That's all they live for. That's all they live for. I said, honey, that sea will be no more one day. That sea will be no more one day. Hello? You can almost swim so far. You're going to be burnt up so long. Hello? You can lay down for so long. I thought you could lay forever, but I thought you got bed sores. You better get up. 
You better walk. Those, those muscles will die on you. Hello? So I find a busy man still in trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every night, going to bed, midnight, late in the midnight, late, late, late night. That's right. Doing God's work. I'm not doing anything but God's work. Why? Because I realize I want to be God's dream saint. I want to get the best I can. It might be my last chance. It might be my best chance. Hallelujah. I want to hear those accolades. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. I want God to say, you've done well. I like what you've done. You've got a profit and a loss. Praise God. Praise God. Cornelius was in his house. Church, in every case, they were religious. God don't just want you to win sinners. He wants you to win religious people who think they're saved. Apollos thought he was saved. Read it for yourself. He thought he was. Hello? Nicodemus thought he was. The Ephesians thought they were. Acts 91 and 10, they thought they were saved. Just like so many of the people think they're saved, but they're not saved. And God don't want them to go to hell. So God placed you where you are. If you were a building, this church would be a congestion. <laughs> Heavily congested. Like a traffic jam in Fort McMurray. Hallelujah. But bless God, you can slip through the crack and teach Jesus Christ and come back out, my friend Jack, and be just a powerful as before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pick up your Bible, somebody. I want you to become a shammer. Hold that sword to the cleave to your hand. Swing that sword. I said, swing that sword. Hallelujah. Get your axe out. And get your 238 and start firing. Start shooting. Start swimming that axe. Come on now. Use that axe and get a soul. You can, church. My God, from here, you look so good. You look like you can do something good. Don't just have the uniform on. You can get in a fight for God in the mud. Come on, somebody. You know, they got some guys today dressed in a uniform. Man, looks so nice and sharp. But you wait till the war starts. All that old seam is gone. They're in the mud and in the foxholes. Come on, somebody. Cornelius was religious. It took a Pentecostal like you to straighten him out. Acts 18, 24, 27, Apostle was, was religious. Acts 8, 16 to 40, Enoch, I mean the eunuch was religious. Acts 10, Cornelius was religious. Lydia in Acts 16 was religious. Yes, Sister Denise was from Tyre, Tyre, but you got saved in Philippi. You're right. First time my wife is right. Give us some public credit here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Acts 16, 11 to 35. This is a religious woman. Pray to God always, but she's not saved until God opened her heart. And God won't do it in privacy always. God need one of you or me to do it. You're an ambassador. You're God's platinum believer. My God, you got some perks in your life. Release it, my friend. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Hallelujah. God want this church to be effective and effective. 
God wants us to look and ask ourselves the question, how many have been born again here lately? We ought to be concerned. We ought to be concerned on Sunday morning. Now I know we got all the rules around here. Some of you folks don't like it, but I'm, I'm so sorry for you. You don't know your Bible. God said, when, when you come in my presence, don't rush in and rush out. It's Bible. It's not me making it up. You are in the presence of a holy God. He's called the King of Kings. And we're trying to teach. Come here. Come, come here. Uh, honestly, come here, please. Come here. Come here, my friend. These little children here. I have a moral obligation to teach them the truth while they're young. i got to teach them. When the pastor's reading the Bible, don't get up and walk out. When I'm preaching, don't get up and walk out. Now, they don't do this. These are my beautiful kids. These are wonderful kids. I'm not, they don't do that. I know they don't do that. I'm just trying to give them for an example here. But these are great kids. Do you know on the ship, three times or more, people came and said to me, because they read it out of the pastor, because somebody called me pastor and they heard it. They said, those kids are well trained. They're awesome. In the cafeteria, wow! They were not kicking up, they were not wasting up, they were not doing anything unseemly or untoward, and they were talking about you guys, the way you dress, the way you were. Well, I'll tell you, friend, it took parents to do it. The Bible said that Eli did not restrain his son. The word restraint means didn't hold him back, and look what he did. He ran behind the Holy of Holies. He's not supposed to do it, but he did. Is Eli alone to do that? He ran behind there and grabbed the what? The ark. Read your Bible. He grabbed the ark, two fornicators, grabbed the ark, and ran out there to fight war. These are the boys who does not want to take what the flesh brought up. Hello? And they were rude. They were, they were, and, the, and the father knew it and wouldn't correct them, but condone it. He condoned it. And the Bible says he did nothing about it. It would restrain them. And God says, I'm going to kill them both the same day. All they did was disrespect the house of God. And he wouldn't restrain them. God said, well, I will. See, if you don't do it, God will. You don't want God to do that for you. Because that's final. But they, they ran in there and grabbed the ark and went to fight the Philistines. You know what God did? God support the Philistines. Read about it. He support the, the Philistines. Withstand you like what? Like men. Quit you like men and whip their hides. That's what God said in paraphrase. God said, whip their hides. And God let the Philistines kill those two boys. And when the father heard, he dropped and broke his neck. All that it was, they came in and out without respect. Esther told you, you cannot go in and out without the king required. You know, sometimes saints tread where angels fear to go. i got an usher here. And I know you folks tell the usher off all the time. But I just laugh at you. I thought, you're dumb. You know, you're not hurting him nor me. I tell him, I tell him, don't fight you at all. Just leaving God's hand.
God can deal with you. I, I, he'll, he'll break your leg out there, not me. <laughs> That's right. He'll fix you out there. You know, this is God's house. This is God's house. You, I can't walk in your house when I feel like this. Would you let me do it? Come on, would you do it? let me do it? No. And you can't walk in this house the way you feel like. If somebody walked through the house there improper, we've got to stop that. This is the house of God. The pillar of our faith. Thank you, kids. Hello. But we don't want our kids to be hurt by the Lord. Hello. Hello. Most put a boundary and they don't cross those boundaries. Why? Because when a soul is being worked on, God don't want you to walk in the theater while he's delicately working on a soul. And some of you got bladder problem. My Lord, you need help. If you need healing, come out and pray for you. And I'll stop your pipe from flowing. And heal your bladder. I mean, I'll pray for your bladder problem. Hello? And don't let God do to you what this one kid. He's let his bowels gush start right for everybody. You know, God has a sense of humor. It's kind of when God does it. <laughs> no, I'll friend, you know, I was in a plane one time, and the guy said, now, go to the washroom before we fly, because there's no toilet on this thing. And so we flew up there. I want to tell you, I said, God, keep my mind staying on you. <laughs> because you know how it is, friend. Don't walk on the grass. What do you want to do? There is no water. What, what do you want? Because the devil is there to bother you and me. Now, I know nobody here disrespect God. I want to disrespect God. But the devil does it. There are visitors in deep conviction. And all they want is one person to step up, step out to give an excuse to leave. And you become the excuse for them. And I've learned that. Hello? You know how I know that? I went to church to it. I was unsaved. And I was looking for a way out. And when one saint get up, I just walk up behind them. <laughs> it's true. Is, am I telling the truth? And so church, I want to tell you, my friend, when you come in God's presence, you've got to respect that holy place. Do you know God put a, a usher at the Garden of Eden? Do you know God put a porter in John 10? You know what porter is? A porter is an usher. God put an usher to keep the, the sheep in and the wolf out. Hello? I'm not making it up. And then you argue with the preacher. You see, when I first came to the city, now, some of you were here, some of you were not here. Maybe one person. Who was you when I first came here? Stand up, please. Look, look how many. My wife got to stand up. Two. When I first came here, stand up. Okay, that's all that was here. That's all. It's three of us. We had no bathroom. We had no pipe, no running water. Hello? We had no office. We had no PA system in the back. The pastor did it all right here with a little up and down. Nobody was too loud, too noisy. And we stayed in church till something at 11 o'clock at night. We went on, we're the only one on the street in, in Bullion Avenue. And it's foggy and dark. Hello? And nobody 
got up and got the bathroom because there's no bathroom to go to. And nobody really drank water because there's no water to drink out there. And nobody brought a, b- a bottle of water and have their breakfast while I'm preaching. But you know what happened? We had a greater manifestation of the Holy Ghost than we have in this building. I've been preaching and people on the pew fell to the ground and talking to us. I've been preaching and people got a whole ghost left, right, and center. I want to tell you, friend, it's not in the building. It's the church. It's the church. It's the church. Having this building didn't do more power with God. It just meant that the building got too small. Where to get out of it. And we didn't have no debt there or not here anywhere. Because our emphasis is not on this. It's church. The church! Before I close tonight, and I'm not ready to close yet, so don't, don't think I'm going to close on right now. But what, what God wants. I'm thinking tonight, He wants a return on His investment. I don't want to you, but somebody invested in me preaching and teaching. And somebody hoped that one day I'd win others to Christ. I want to tell you, I want people to preach it today. I know I have. I can call them by name and where they live. And they're preaching. Hallelujah. The energies, the expenses, and the effort. Is there a better way to win souls? Is there a right way? Is there a Bible way? Is there a faster way to bring souls to Jesus? If there is, I want to know. I want to know. I don't want all men speak well of me, but I want all of heaven knows me by Jesus Christ. Beware when all men speak well of you, but what about Jesus Christ? He writes the last, he writes the last chapter. When he writes it, it's written, my friend, because men, glory on earth will not descend with them. But what God says about you will ascend, my friend, so I'll confess you to the angels. Hello. This church, amen, can have no greater... Plan. Hallelujah. Every pastor's of a dream church. In case they don't have one, I have one. I dream every day that every one of you become what? To God. Able to teach others. I dream every day that every one of you in these pews would short spiritual maturity. I wish to God every day in this church members become productive. Become committed to the cause and the purpose. Be definite soul winners. Be dependable and fruitful. That's my dream. That the people of these pews would desire to be like Joseph, like Timothy, like Ruth, like Apollos. That's the kind of church I would love to see. You may never be a hundred, but oh God, if you're one soul that can affect the world, one man shuts up heaven, Elijah. Because your power was man and God. Every pastor's nightmare is that the people of the pew remain unprofitable, barren, fruitless, slothful, choked by the cares of this life, at ease in Zion, uncommitted. God, forgive us if all we reproduce in this church are foolish virgins. Though good talents are bearing them, 
those were a fig tree that should blossom but have no fruit on the vine. I don't know about you, hun. I don't want to tell you the world is today lamenting and praising man, but you haven't heard till you heard from Jesus. Until you hear from Jesus, my friend, don't get excited. You haven't heard nothing yet because he's going to be the last one that speaks. He's the last one that speaks. I don't know about you. My last word going to be if I ever die before he comes is, Lord, did I please you? Was I unprofitable? You know what? And I can't come back and fix it. He's not going to come back. He says, your time is up. The time that God gave us. What kind of church is this? I never pray for crowd. I pray for committed people. I pray for people committed, faithful. This building does not sway me one bit. No, but a soul at the altar get me emotionally turned on. I never brag on building. I show people the building up, a church I pastor, but I want to talk about saints. I'll talk about saints that are victorious. I don't discuss failures. I discuss success. I want to motivate others to live for God. I want to energize others. Profitable Christians. God want this church, amen, to be a great church. And I said, God, here's my dream church. I want a church that will go house to house, not to gossip, but with the gospel. I want a church, God, that's addicted to the ministry. They want to reach others. They're hospitable. They're faithful. They're loyal. Not to me, to Him. If you please Him, you'll please me and please your brother and sister. If you please us and not please Him, you're wasting your time. Because only He can reward you. A profitable church. A church like Apollos that helped much. Wise tours like Eliezer that only bring home what would please the Father. God wants a dream church that's involved in follow-up ministry. You know, uh, I'm going to teach you one day about delegation, the power of delegation. God said, now it's time to delegate to the saints. It's time to get the saints involved. In the little church we had, I didn't mind doing a thing. I, I sang, I played, I ushered, I did it all, and I did love it all. Shoveled the snow, and I still can't do it. Doesn't bother me. I got good news. I passed my stress test. Wow! My God, they put a goal, brother Bean, they put a goal for me and I went right past it. He said, for your age, let's see, this is where you should be. And I went right past it. I said, God, I said, God, I don't need jogging to be fit. You live in my heart, keep it alive. Woo, hallelujah. And I felt God energizing me. I didn't need steroid. I got his on the rod, my friend. I cannot run you guys still. I still can. And I wasn't going, no, I wasn't. I was saying, thank you, Jesus. They said, you don't have no stress. You're right, I got no stress. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, now why have you lost your hair? None of your business. Be a wise steward. <laughs> he wants us to be in follow-up ministry. Give into hospitality. Go door-to-door evangelistic. Soul winner. Not 
shame in the gospel. You're the salt in the workplace. My friend, at night when I was working at, at the plant, at lunchtime I'd take my Bible and I'd start reading it. I didn't care what they thought. They didn't give me that job, and God gave it to me, and why should I be ashamed of him? But one day, one day when the earth went dark, and the moon was shining, and the sun was, was disappearing, they came and knocked on my door and asked me, what, is, it, is this it? I tell you, it was an open door. They knew where to come. They knew where to come. Unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed of the way we dress. Women dress like women. Lord have mercy. Oh, I touched some real... Come on now. Hello. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it says, you're the salt of the workplace. He influence your peers. Hallelujah. Hello. Every pastor covet these saints that motivate others to do right. I'm telling you, we will never get rid of sarcastic people in church. I don't care how to try. One of you are going to step out of rank. You always will. Why? Because the devil always finds somebody who's rude and impolite and have no respect for authority. He always does. Always find somebody who despise authority in government. Usually, usually they're the sons and daughters of Belial. I'm not making this up. The Bible says that. The word Belial means uncovered, uncontrolled. They do their own thing. I just refuse to be used of Satan. He had me long enough. <laughs> he used me long enough, brethren. I tell you, I get off that track now. I said, get out of my life, Satan. He does visit me, but I said, no, get out of my life. You're not going to come here. I'm going to be respectful to God's house. I give respect to judges and magistrates. Why not to God's people? Hello? All right? You know, come here. Mr. Kim, come here. All right? I bring your daughter, so I don't think you can argue with her. Come here. Come here, daughter. I mean, Sister Kim's daughter. Now, what if you're in charge of something, right? And you guys don't know each other, right? And here you are, you are you're a Christian. You're both Christian, are supposed to be, right? And you give her an order and says, you can't do this. She says, why not? This is pastor says so. Well, you tell pastor, I say. First of all, don't be a messenger. You're not paid to be a messenger. That's rude. That's rude. On my job, when my supervisor can say to me, this is what you're going to do. I don't say, who says? If I say that, everybody going to end up out the door. And they'll call security and they'll lead me of the sight. If I show that respect to local men much more in the kingdom of God. If I obey the RCMP much more Romans 14. Somebody go there please and read that please. Can, you know, I'm just using for example. Now come here uh, 
Come here. Honestly, come here, please. Don't leave, sister. Don't leave. She's obedient. Oh, take me out. All right, stand right here. If she was your daughter, right? And I give a command. Come here, girl. Come here. That's a, and you stop her. Says, stop. Right? And she says, she told me I can't. He said, who says? Well, I'm the mom. I can tell you what to do. Is she rude? She's teaching her rebellion. And she's asking her to rebel against me by allowing what I said no. You see what sin does? Sin don't stop at the one that thinks it. It's passed on. It's a seed. And it goes on. Well, Satan did that in heaven. I will be like the Most High. Is that right? And he lifted himself up, and he went to Adam and Eve and did the same. Same thing. Right? And what happened to Adam and Eve? They got thrown out. Now, what's happened to our world today? The Antichrist. And he, who's the Antichrist? He said, he sit in the seat of God. And God called the spirit of lawlessness. What's in our world today? Lawlessness. Where it came from? Satan. In any form of rebellion. Any kind. I don't care how small. That's why even as a preacher can't rebel against my, my elders. I can't do it. Because I know it's not of God. God be the devil. Because God said, be subject to magistrate and authority and power. So God will not bring people in the church if the wrong spirit is here. For 40 years, Israel walked in a circle, and all they were experienced was dead people. Never had one new kid born. Not one more kid was born. God preserved those that were alive and remained, and the rest said, no more birth. Stop it. He told Noah, don't give birth in this world. We're all going to die. This church will not have birth if that spirit is in here. Because what you just did now, come here, Zachary, come here. When a new kid come in, you just corrupted another kid and make him twofold the child of the what? The devil. Look at the situation here. John the Baptist is sent to baptize Jesus. Who's greater? Jesus. But who wants to baptize Jesus? John. Now, protocol, it don't make sense. And John knew it. And John said, I can't even unlock your shoes. How do you want me to baptize you? No. And Jesus says, suffer it to be so. What did he do? Quit arguing. He submitted and baptized Jesus. But who was greater? Jesus was. But even though he was greater, he submit to the delegation of John. Because John was in a delegated authority. And the man told Jesus, I am under authority, and I go when I'm told go, and I stop. So this church, if you want to be a, a, a platinum church, God's church, you have to learn that. No, if others do it, I'm going to ask you to correct them. You don't do it, because they may claw you and hurt you. They may dig your eyes out, so don't do it. 
Let's lean to God. God can deal with that spirit. God can do what you can't can't do, and nobody can prosecute Him. We can prosecute you and me. <laughs> let, let, let them be that way. That's what I want to do. But the poor kids them now, they got to deal with that. Because what happened when they grow up? What will they do? Do the same thing at school, and don't make the mistake with the government, because they'll shoot them. And then with God, put them in hell. So I'm trying to teach you guys something here, guys. The kind of church God wants. He says, be submissive one to another. If we are the kind of church, when people come in there, they get saved. Now, if somebody come in here and don't want to submit to us and don't want to come back, what would we say? So, I'm sorry. Come on, Easter. We'll still have you. You've just dishonored God. Because Uzziah tried it, didn't he? And the ushers stopped him. What did he do? He pushed past the ushers. Right? Is that right, guys? And what happened to him? He got leprosy. God said, I'm not going to let Bang, he died. Now, it was sad that he happened to him. Didn't have to happen. So, thank you, guys. We want a church that is a role model. When I came to church, everybody had a Thompson chain, so I want a Thompson chain. <laughs> I've, I've seen people have the habit the preacher had. <laughs> Wait, Mitchell told you one time about what church you went to. Everybody was because the pastor always does that. <laughs> I have no idea what habits I have that you follow. Poor you guys. Well, they follow the pastor, right? All right, the world changes. Effective tools. Right? Look, church. You just want God to bless us. And I, I, I said here, a pastor's dream church is where we have saints discipling each other. Right? Spiritual reproduction, growing seed. I mean, the seed of the Word of God is growing in them. They're profitable. And they have the mind to work, and they teach on Bible study, and they're addicted to the ministry. I want to tell you, I, if I didn't come to the church I came into, I'll be honest with you, maybe I'd have been loose. Maybe I wouldn't be a pastor. Maybe I'd be worldly. I don't know. I just copy what I saw. I'm a newcomer. We go on the job. They got a buddy system, current system, Misha. On the job, they give you a buddy to work with, right? There's a buddy system. I went into quality control, and I had to work with this guy. Now I had to work with this guy everywhere he went. I, I, I went, come on, uh, yeah. Well, shot him. He was right beside him. He took me to all the places he went to. Are you with me? To the uh, permit center, to the site, drove me around, introduced me. Now, if he corrupt me, I'm going to be what? Corrupted. So the company trusts him to chopper on me. Are you with me? And they hope he's doing the right thing. God does the same thing with you and me. Hello. Now, I have boss that were corrupting me against the company. Who said things about the company they should not say to me. Because we're both being paid by the company. It wasn't right what they were doing. Hello, but I couldn't talk to you because you're the boss. Does that make sense, folks? So, God wants a church that He's proud of. 
a church, He can give us the power of attorney to use His name. Now, when I was at the plant, if you weren't there, you'd understand this. I had signing authority. And they told me how much I could sign. Before I did that, I signed an agreement that I would not do this and I would not do that. I would not take bribe, da, 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 da. And every year I sign this thing, right? And so on. And I couldn't take money or uh, lunch from my outsiders who called me up. And I couldn't reveal some certain things. I could not do it. And so I couldn't do it. And when I was sent out, they asked me, where have you been? What did you do? I had to give an account. I did. I had to write a report where I went, who I spoke to, how much money I spent, and the whole bit. And the change that I brought back. Now, some guys end up in jail for those things. I know of guys who went to jail in high position who crossed the line and got messed up. Hello? Now, I could not cross the line. I had to sign where I could sign. My power stopped there. My boss could only go to a certain point, and he stopped there. He had to go to a higher power. Why can the saints realize that? That's why most time in the church, the most useful people are people that one time were in the hands of the devil. Because they've learned servitude. He was their boss. And he mastered them. And they obeyed him without question. You don't believe me? It's the truth. And when it comes to God, they're not naive. They know what the punishment might be. And they submit to God. Say, you're laughing to death. I can see that. Because <laughs> you know, the devil once had you and had me too. Hello? And what happened? Now, all we did was change purpose. We gave it the same obedience. Is that right? Now, God... I know one individual that God used them to bring people in, but God did not want them to teach that person that they brought in. Because they got bad habits. They did. And they backslid over it. Hey, a true servant is always. Come here, boys. Come here, guys. Where's a true servant? A true servant. Come here, sister. Sister Mouse, come here, please. I borrow you for a while. You're sitting there too long. Do nothing. Come over here. <laughs> you just shoes her off. She's comfortable. <laughs> I'm bugging her. I know she can take it. Brother Mouse, I'll talk to her later. <laughs> come here, sister. Stand right here. Now I forgot my point. <laughs> but you know, church... You and I are no different from Gabriel, Michael, and all those angels. They stand daily before the Lord like this, waiting for a command. Until they get one, they can't do a thing. Why can church people learn that? Why would they force themselves to do anything they're not supposed to be doing? Why would they do that? Why? Why, church? Pastors of limitation, so do you. We're not gods. We're servants. Around the cross, we're all equal. 
In offices, we're not. In assignment, we're not. And it's God who set us in the building. 